This is Jovi. And this is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime, Crime Stories. Stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and we take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. All night long. And Charlie did pour herself a drink. I did. Just before we started recording. Immediately before we sat down to record. Yes. yes. It's been, you know. I was going to say it's been one of those days, but I mean, let, let's face it. It's been kind of one of those months. So, <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Let's let's face facts here, people. Yes. Yes. I concur. <sighs> so I know I didn't pull any true crime headlines. Did you pull any true crime headlines? I did not. No. All right. No. All I right. mean, I, I probably would have, but I forgot. Mm. But we should tell our listeners what we watched earlier before we were recorded. We watched the first episode of The Girl from Plainview. Plainfield? Plainfield, I think. Field? View? Field? View? The girl from Plain something. The Plain Town? The, the, that was going to annoy me. <laughs> the, the place girl. in Massachusetts. Plainville. Plainville. Yeah. Okay. Yes. That one. So we watched the first episode of The Girl from Plainville. And it was one of those things of like we had talked about wanting to watch it and then we hadn't had a chance to. And we were waiting for my boyfriend to get home before we started to record because, as I've said before on the podcast, he's our IT guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we required his assistance with our audio issues that we've been having for the last couple of weeks. So we're like, hey, we got time. Let's watch this girl from Plainview stuff. Yep. And boyo, boyo. She's crazy. Ow. She's legit crazy yeah like i know like the whole thing is is obviously it's based on like real people real events and i mean you know obviously what you know from watching you know on the media and other stories about it and blah 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 blah. but the way that she is portrayed in this mini series holy bejesus yes and like in the one scene um not really giving anything away, but when she was in the mirror and she's like, he loved you. He loved all of you. I honestly wanted to turn to Charlie and be like, is she talking to her other personalities? Because yeah. it was something special. Well, it's really funny because like I knew that a part of it was, uh, you know, they, they talk, they were going to talk a lot about her obsession with Glee. And it's funny because I was a, I was a Glee watcher. I know Jovi, you were a Glee watcher mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she started saying that speech, I was like, wait just one moment i know what this is from and then she of course opens her laptop to reveal that she's copying it from glee and oh my goodness gracious girl 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 yeah it's definitely i could tell that that one's going to be an adventure Mm -hmm. but uh i watched two other true crime uh miniseries over the weekend oh yeah yeah two really great ones uh both fairly new the first one was on Netflix, Confession of a Killer, the John Wayne Gacy tapes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well done. Beautiful job on that. Uh, definitely got more of the story of John Wayne Gacy than I had ever known before. It was it was very well done. It was nice. very good. Nice. Um, and then the other one was from Hulu, and th- that one is... Uh, captive audience it's called Mm -hmm. and it's about steven stainer who was a kidnapping victim in the 70s and like his life and what happened and when he like came back home to his family Mm -hmm. and then and then and then and then and then all the invents yeah and that one was that one was phenomenal i actually think i might watch that one first before the um, great the gacy one um because i i I obviously want to watch both of them but i think i'm going to watch um that second one first yeah oh it was fantastic my mother watched it and she was texting me over the weekend she's like this is 
crazy. I'm like, wow, right? Yeah, really. Cuckoo's banana. It was really good. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was a good one. Okay. So those are two that I definitely highly recommend. I actually mentioned both of them on our Instagram. Um, obviously, you know, you guys know if you're listeners that you're going to be hearing this a couple of weeks after we mm-hmm. um, record it. Mm-hmm. But the meme Monday that I posted this week was in reference to both of those uh, <laughs> to both of those uh, shows. Yes, so they were really good. Yes, yes, yes. Good stuff. Two thumbs up. Definitely recommend. Way up. Way way up. Exactly. 10 stars would recommend recommend that everybody watch it yes all right well with that being said are we ready to jump on in yeah let's go ahead and jump into tonight's bed crime story so um i okay a couple weeks ago april 15th of this year uh, a story from people started kind of circulating in the true crime Facebook groups that I belong to mm-hmm. and read the headline. I think I actually sent you the people article through a text and I was like, I think I got my next story. Oh yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. You so did. I'm very excited to share this one with you guys. Cause I kind of did a deep dive into um, what happened the whole history behind this. I thought it was really super fascinating. Um, the sources that I have for tonight's story is surfsidekidnapping.org, the international missing persons wiki. Oh wow. There's a wiki for everything. Apparently. My yeah. Um, the Charlie project. And of course that people article. Okay. And the story I'm doing is the kidnapping of Danny Goldman solved after 55 years. Jesus. Crazy. So this is quite, this story is like an adventure. It's like a movie. If Mm -hmm. you had written this, like, let's say you were a screenwriter, you wrote this as a movie, they would tell you that they wouldn't make the movie because it's so crazy that nobody would believe it was true. Yeah. Oh no, I believe yeah. it. Just from that little bit of an mm-hmm. article that I read that you sent me, this mm-hmm. is I could already tell we're in for a wild ride. Yeah, it's a crazy one. I'm excited. So Daniel Jess Goldman, best known as Danny, which is how I will be referring to him throughout the rest of this evening's story. Uh, Danny was only 17 years old and a high school senior at Miami Beach Senior High when he was kidnapped in the early morning hours of March 28, 1966. So Danny lived at home in Surfside, Florida, which is obviously in that greater Tampa Bay, Miami-Dade County area. Mm -hmm. And he lived there with his parents. Um, Aaron Goldman was his dad. Aaron was a successful local contractor. And he also served on the board at the local Five Points National Bank. Hmm. Um, And his mom, who's named Sally Goldman, was an interior designer. Nice. So Danny, typical 17-year-old boy, spent most of his days out with his friends. Um, he would learn about electronics, kind of tinker around with electronics. And he spent a lot of time either with or talking on the phone with his girlfriend, Sharon Lloyd. Aww. So, oh, to be 17 and in love, right? Yeah, those were the days. Those were the days. Um, so on the morning of March 28th, 1966, the day before Danny's 18th birthday, which... Fuck you. How sad is that? It was for real. Yeah. Um, an intruder enters the family home from an unlocked sliding glass rear door and first goes into the house to wake up Danny's parents. Um, I've seen on two separate articles, the time was different. One said around 4.30 a.m., one said 5.30 a.m. So I don't know if this is like a daylight saving time discrepancy uh, okay. or just a 
mistelling in the story, but mm. somewhere in those early morning hours. Okay. The intruder called the Goldmans by their first name, so this indicates that it was definitely a targeted attack on the family. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. So he told the Goldmans that he was looking for $10,000 cash within the home. The man tied up Aaron and Sally Goldman, um, and when he bound their wrists behind their backs um, using a cord from the window blinds, he stuck a pair of scissors and a knife in the knots. So if they try to free themselves, they would get cut. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah, like very professional. Oh, yeah. shit. Crazy. I would have never thought about I, that. Who would, right? I mean, for real. I mean, it's his job, apparently. I guess, yeah. So he also covered their mouths with adhesive tape. Then he went to the back room to wake up Danny. He forced Danny to get dressed at gunpoint. He bound him and then drove off with Danny in Danny's own white Nash Rambler sedan. Wow. Before he left... Uh, the kidnapper told the Goldmans to get money, but now he was demanding $25,000 in cash. Now he's getting greedy. Correct. And he said that if they were unable to get the money by the end of that day, the amount would double the next day, and then so on and so on and so on. Oh, shit. So, like, earning interest oh, yeah. in a way, yeah. Yeah. He told Mr. Goldman to expect a call around 6 or 7 p.m. that evening with instructions, but the call never came. Oh, no. Danny's car was found just a few hours later in a parking lot on Harding Avenue. However, Danny was never seen or heard from again. Wow. Wow. The eve of his 18th birthday. Just, that's not how anybody would want to spend their 18th birthday. I mean, if you're going to, like, quote unquote, kidnap me and take me to a surprise party, that's one thing. (laughs) But uh, this is is not it. This is not the way to be. It's awful. So, Mr. Goldman did not get a good look at the intruder's face. It was super early morning Mm -hmm. it was dark in the house but he would tell police that he felt like he may have known the man Mm -hmm. um he described the abductor as have as being caucasian with a midwestern accent he also described him as being between 5'8 and 5'11 he was 180 to 200 pounds he had gray hair and was probably approximately in his 50s Um, he said he was wearing glasses with silver metal rims a baseball cap and dark clothing when he abducted danny you know for not being able to see much that's a pretty accurate like a decent detail you know for sure like the color of his hair and just that's just amazing. Yeah, definitely way have more good uh, night sight, good night vision, and then just like a really good—it's it, that like adrenaline memory, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, um, the abductor did not ransack the house in his search for the ten thousand, so he wasn't like messy about like pulling out drawers and like creating a scene at the mm-hmm. house. And Mr. Goldman said that he treated the family with quote gentleness. Mm-hmm. Um, the abductor had even checked on Sally to make sure that she could breathe under the adhesive tape and that her bindings weren't too tight, which I find funny because you put a knife in her bindings, but you also wanted to make sure it wasn't too tight. Right. Like it's like right. diametrically opposed to what you've already done. Right. Interesting. But I mean, that makes sense. So to think that it's somebody that they knew true for for that reason like and honestly um when you had said that he came in calling them by their names i was like Mm -hmm. did they know him Mm -hmm. yeah so the police search the house um really truly the only thing they find they find some partial fingerprints and they find the fingertip of a surgical glove Mm. they believe that the abductor may have accidentally cut or tore the glove when tying up either danny or his parents um, the, they were able to um, identify the glove as a Sterling brand. That was the name brand of the glove. Um, and this 
This particular glove was designed for medical use only. It was manufactured in Canada and was believed to have not been available for purchase in the United States. Hmm. As uh, the fact that Southern Florida was a pretty popular vacation destination for Canadian tourists, they I don't want to say they dismissed the glove clue because it's not, I don't think that's 100% accurate, but it was kind of assumed of like, if this is a popular area for Canadian tourists, there's a good chance that, I mean, it doesn't narrow things down much. Right, right. Um, so police send a letter about the glove to the Canadian Medical Association with a description of the abductor in the hope of getting new leads. Um, and the letter was actually published in Canadian medical journals, but they did not get any um, headway from this particular uh, piece of evidence. So three months after Danny was abducted, 19, uh, 19 officers and directors at the Five Points National Bank, where Mr. Goldman was a board member, right. were indicted for federal fraud. But Mr. Goldman was not among them. Oh, coincidentally, Mr. Goldman had complained about the conduct of the bank directors and the FBI had interviewed him about a month before Danny's disappearance in relation to the bank's activities. Hmm. So authorities had investigated the possibility that the kidnapper may have been somebody who had a grudge against Mr. Goldman due to the bank probe, but they couldn't find any solid connection. Mm-hmm. The police department um, at the time, it seems it was like Miami-Dade Sheriff's Department. The police department at the time was notoriously corrupt in the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. And seven months after Daniel's abduction, five officers from this police department were indicted on burglary and larceny charges. One of those officers was Sergeant David Hellman, who actually was assigned to Daniel's case. Stop it. Mm -hmm. And after this, there's like, it kind of just goes cold. Like it just, there's no additional um, evidence. There's no leads. They have no suspects. It's just, it goes cold. So we have to kind of fast forward almost 50 years. Jesus Christ. Yeah. We fast forward almost 50 years. Mr. and Mrs. Goldman, unfortunately, are deceased. Mm. They passed away in the early 2010s. Mm. Um, I believe one in 2010 and one in 2012. Mm. Um, but members of their extended family, some of Daniel's former classmates and other community members never gave up on the case. So Paul Novak, who remember his name, because we're going to mention him a lot in okay. the remainder of uh, the remainder of the story. So Paul Novak was a child in 1966. And he lived near the Goldman home. He's one of the kind of main players in this citizen investigator brigade we have going here okay um he's a lawyer in the area of florida and he's actually also a former mayor of the town of surfside so that definitely helps him yeah he knows people doesn't hurt he could find things out easily and he has access to things so that's pretty good yeah so once novak and his group of citizen detectives a group of volunteers and retired law enforcement officers who call themselves the posse uh, began to look into details of the case details previously unknown about the investigation started to come to light so the posse who included not only um Paul Novak, but also David Grobert, his younger brother, Joe Grobert, uh, friends, Anthony Blate and Harvey Lisker. Um, they decided their first step was going to be to examine other crimes committed in the same area in and around 1966. Mm-hmm. So the posse and the retired law enforcement officials that they were working with shared their findings with Miami-Dade uh, PD and their cold case unit recognized links between the Goldman case and other cold homicide cases. So Danny's case was officially reopened. Nice. 
Um, so the posse suspected several people, including Joe Cacciatore, who went by Chicken. Joe Kitch- Chicken Cacciatore. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes. I appreciate that. Um, yes. So they suspected several people, including Joe Cacciatore, involved in Daniel's abduction. Cacciatore was an accomplished burglar and... Th- well. Cacciatore was an accomplished burglar Mm -hmm. and a thief whose cousin was mafia boss Santo Traficante Jr., the head of the so-called Tampa Mafia based in Tampa, Florida. No shit. Yes, shit. According to Paul Novak's theory, the Goldmans had hidden $10,000 in cash in their house and planned to use the money to send Danny out of the country so he wouldn't have to register for the draft on his 18th birthday. Oh. Cacciatore heard about this from another criminal associate of his named Charles Lloyd, whose daughter, Sharon Lloyd, was Danny's girlfriend. Stop it. Yes. So this would explain how the kidnapper knew to ask specifically for $10,000 yes. in cash. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now... Cacciatore was never questioned by the police about Danny's disappearance. Novak believes that some members of the Miami-Dade Police Department did know he was involved. Um, however, the charges never, they, they never did anything about it. Mm. Um, the charges against the five officers back in 1966 when they were indicted um, all got dismissed on a technicality. Stop Correct. It. And it was like a stupid paperwork error, like a paperwork filing error. And it's definitely believed that it was purposefully misfiled in order for these guys to all get off. You think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Sergeant David Hellman, our friend, resigned from the force and began a private, um, became a private investigator and a bail bondsman. Okay. So he was the one who had been assigned to Danny's case and was one of the officers indicted. Mm-hmm. In 1970, Hellman was called to testify against another Miami-Dade police officer in a corruption trial, but he refused, pleading his Fifth Amendment protections against self-incrimination in response to 49 of the questions he was asked on the stand. No. Yeah. <clears throat> so the complaint brought forth by Mr. Goldman, so we're going to kind of go back to the whole bank angle the whole bank angle of this so the complaint brought forth by mr goldman in 1966 about the questionable practices at five point national bank also raised a lot of flags for the posse the complaint was regarding unsecured loans being written by the bank's new officers and the loans included cash and assets written directly to associates of santo traficante meyer lansky and jimmy hoffa Stop it. You're kidding. I'm not. Holy shit. Yep. Holy shit. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, although Mr. Goldman actually profited from these loans being written, because, of course, this increase in loans increased stock prices. He was a board member and a stockholder. He financially benefited from the loans being written he still came forward and reported it because obviously he was a good person he was a stand-up citizen correct um but as we know from pretty much any mafia movie ever made ever um (laughs) and kind of just our own common sense interfering with cash flow and business practices of mafiosos almost always guarantees dire repercussions yes yes it does so yeah the criminal investigation into the loans written at five points was presented to a grand jury as a racketeering and conspiracy case on Thursday, March 24th, 1966. Danny was gone by Monday morning. <gasps> no, this can't be a coincidence. 
this none of this could be a coincidence. I agree with you. This is like completely planned out to the 20th degree. Correct. During the original investigation back in 1966, mm. ties to Joe Cacciatore, Santo Traficante, Meyer Lansky, and Jimmy Hoffa, all who had presence in Florida at the time of Danny's disappearance, were either not found or covered up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shocking. And of course, for decades, the system covered up facts about numerous illegal organized crime activities happening and the complacency of the public officials who would have known about them. Mm. Finally, it all comes together for the posse and the other investigators, and two burglars were identified as the kidnappers and probably murderers of Danny Goldman. So they come to name Joe Cacciatore himself and a man named George DeFeus. So both Joe and George were affiliated with the Traficante crime family. Cacciatore himself, as I mentioned before, was Traficante's first cousin. And over the years, DeFeus had become a trusted soldier for the organization. Mm. And he also acted as an informant for authorities, not against the not against the organized crime organization right but just like again for like drug charges and stuff like like he was an informant like a guy on the streets okay, okay. so because of what he was doing he was untouchable by traficante's men because he was doing their dirty work for them and he was untouchable by law enforcement because he was a valuable informant right so he was like he was like number one ci he's correct. like yeah i got this correct whatever so he was able to kind of like really just everything was covered up kind of on his behalf yeah there was physical evidence to prove that DeFeus was the kidnapper at the Goldman's house the morning that Danny was abducted. So the the theory is that Cacciatore remained outside just to make sure nothing went sideways. Okay. And, right. Okay. 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 So um, there were the far the partial. <laughs> the partial fingerprints that were at the scene and uh, actually a complete set of prints were found um, and matched him they were on the sliding glass door where he entered the home but the smoking gun was the rubber glove fragment that was left at the scene the fragment was finally traced to a Brooklyn medical clinic where DeFeas had been a patient it's the only place in the United States that uses that brand of glove. What? What? My mind is blown right now. Like, completely I know. blown. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? Holy shit. I know. I know. <laughs> it was also discovered that Cacciatore had an apartment just over two blocks away from the Goldman house. So it's believed that when Danny was taken from his home, he was taken directly to the apartment and likely killed at the apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, according to information provided by associates of those who were involved in the crime, Danny's body was taken to Molly Lake Marina in North Miami Beach, put on the boat of a man named Wally Jefferson, taken out to the Gulf Stream off the co- coast of Florida, mm. dismembered, and then thrown overboard. Mm. Right into the Gulf Stream, which we know is going to really, truly sweep him away. Yeah, so kind of like a Dexter moment. Almost exactly. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Okay. Um, in addition to those directly involved, DeFeas and Cacciatore, the, the men who were actually there, there were others involved in the conspiracy to kidnap and murder Danny Goldman. Wally Jefferson, the guy whose boat it yeah. was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was a former Miami police motorman and a bail bondsman. Charles Lloyd, a former bootlegger and the father of Danny's girlfriend. Yes, yes, yes. And 
David Hellman, acting chief of intelligence for Dade County Sheriff's Department and an investigator on Danny's disappearance. Wow. Wow. I know. So those involved in organized crime use these local small-time criminals, again, to, like, do their dirty work for yeah, them. Yeah, so, like, yeah. why should the soldiers and, like, the bosses get their hands dirty when oh, you have no. these petty idiots who are going to do it for a song, you know? Right, right, right. So, and that's what happened. Like, you had to face and catch a Tory who were the trusted made men, right? They were the trusted guys that were the soldiers. Yeah. But everybody kind of in the moving, in the trenches, and the moving parts were all these small-time local criminals. Right, 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 right. I mean, which is, is kind of smart. It's smart. I mean, you know, it's smart criminals, you know? Yeah. So, Sharon Lloyd, Danny's girlfriend at the time of his death, has always denied ever having any knowledge of what happened to Danny. Really? Now, I want to believe that it was an innocent slip of the tongue that she happened to mention about the $10,000 at the house. Kind of like, oh, well, Danny's going to be leaving the country soon. His parents saved up this money to have him go away, you know, type of a thing. Like a yeah, yeah, slip. yeah, yeah. How, however, <laughs> she wound up in relationships, romantic relationships, with two career criminals said to have been linked to Danny's murder. And she even later married Wally Jefferson, the man who owned the boat used in the disposal of Danny's body. Yeah, no, she was part of it, too. Girl. She was 100% part of it, too, because I'm Girl. sorry. Again, there's no such thing as coincidences. Correct. This is this right. is legit. And, like, I understand that, obviously, that's the crowd your dad runs with. But, like... Come on. If you come to realize that these were the men that were more than likely involved in the in your boyfriend's murder, mm-hmm. you're going to marry one of them? Yeah, no. Like, for real? No, for that real, doesn't real? add up. That yeah. does not add up. Nay, nay. So, the team has an open request out to Sharon still to this day for her cooperation and providing any de- details that could kind of clear up any blank spots in the story. Mm. So, like, really kind of fill in the blanks for them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, th- the case is closed. They figured it out. They figured out what happened. Um, so I have some quotes here from those involved. So, quote, Paul Novak spent a tremendous amount of hours researching and obtaining information. Miami-Dade police detective Jonathan Grossman told People, quote, we had a great working relationship with him. Grossman says he hopes that one day Danny's remains will be found. Quote, despite the fact that the criminal investigation itself has come to a close, part of it still remains open with us and will remain open until we can hopefully one day find him and bring that chapter to a close, he said. Meanwhile, David Grobert, one of the members of the posse, um, was actually a friend of Danny's when they were younger. And he remembers Danny as an easygoing, friendly kid who loved tinkering with TVs and radios. Um, He says that he's happy they have a resolution. Quote, we did it for Danny, and I wish his mother would have been alive to know that we did it for him, he says. Yeah. Adds Joe Grobert, um, a former vice mayor of of Surfside, who recalls swimming in the Goldman's pool with Danny and his brother. (laughs) Quote, I feel good, but I also feel sad that two lives were lost. Sally's life and Danny's. Danny was kidnapped and murdered, and Sally Goldman's life was kidnapped and somewhat murdered along with him. Yeah. And that is the story of the kidnapping and murder of Danny Goldman that took 55 years to close. That's insane. That's insane. And you knew, you know, it only took that long to close because of those who were involved. And how, like, yeah. How much cover up was happening. Mm -hmm. Correct. That's insane. And of course, of course, of course, unfortunately, everybody who was responsible is all dead now. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. 
Um, and it seems as though, like, really, truly the only person from the story, besides the folks that help find him mm-hmm. or find the, the story, is Sharon, the girlfriend. So now here's my here's my thought. Mm-hmm. Since everybody is pretty much dead, why there's no reason for Sharon not to come forth and tell tell everything that she knows. You know, like her life's not in danger. The people that you know, the mob and the mafia or whatever, those people that were around during that time, they're dead. I agree. So it's not like she's going to be killed for giving any kind of information. It's done and over with. Yeah, and. The uh, article that I was reading, this was actually directly from, like, their website, SurfsideKidnapping.org, mm-hmm. which is a ridiculous wealth of knowledge and the other stuff that's on there. They actually have an entire page on that website dedicated to the other cases that are still cold cases that they found could possibly be related to oh, Danny. No yeah, shit. that were, like, kind of, that came out of the woodwork from it. Oh, it's, fa- the... The website is so comprehensive and fascinating. They have um, links directly to like photographs and original news articles from the Miami Herald. And like, it's the amount of shit that is on that one particular website is, I mean, you could just, I could sit there. I could have sat there and read it all night long. Wow. Yeah. Um, And it said in like their description of everything that happened that they've even offered complete immunity to Sharon because they just want to know. Yeah. Like they just want to know exactly what happened. They want to make sure that what they are theorizing and what has kind of come to pass as like the truth of the story is true. Yeah. Um, and just for them, the friends, to have that peace of mind that we did it correctly and we, right. we have the answer. And like that little bit of closure yeah you know i mean that's the least she could do correct yeah and like you said if everybody is gone um i don't know you have immunity everybody's gone you're on like she's i think she's already been because i know she um wally the one jefferson wally jefferson Mm -hmm. who she married he passed away with only within like months after marrying her oh no shit of like cancer or something like that and she had remarried and i do believe she's since remarried again Mm. um so it's like you're so far removed now Mm -hmm. at least it it seems like you're so far removed now from that story from that life Mm -hmm. why why can't you just be truthful right why are you being selfish with this information Mm -hmm. it's it's just information yeah everybody's dead like Mm -hmm. come on yeah give give it up yeah so yeah wow that's the story from that little people article i started reading that article and i'm like i need i need to know (laughs) i need the answers that's i need everything that's that was an insane story. Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking us on that journey. I appreciate it's it. It's a crazy one. Yeah. It's a crazy one. And it's somewhat local. I mean, we yeah. got our Tampa, Tampa Mafia. Mm-hmm. What, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was funny. My sister went to down to Tampa this past weekend because it was the, um, it was supposed to be the Italian festival. Mm-hmm and apparently it was not great <laughs> this year but they went down there and i know um they she goes down there a lot with friends of hers and stuff like that and there's like a huge italian american club right on 7th avenue ebor mm-hmm. so when i'm reading this tampa mafia all i could picture were all these like 
mafioso made men in their cool, <laughs> like, their cool hats and their jackets with the collars mm-hmm. and they're standing outside the Italian-American club smoking their cigars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all I can think of. And then, like, the fact that, I'm sorry, I'm, like, so into this. And the fact that DeFeas had a Midwestern accent, because, of course, Jimmy Hoffa was a boss from right. Chicago. He right. was from New York, so, yeah. Right. It's right. just... I love it. Wow. It all comes together. Yep. It all comes together. That's yeah. insane. It's, that is insane. Yeah. It's really funny. I, I mean, as you guys know, I, I know we've talked about it before. We're obviously listener. We're listeners of My Favorite Murder. And I always laugh whenever there's a story where the explanation has always been, oh, I bet it was the mob. And Karen mm-hmm. gets all mad about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, it's not the mob. That's a boring story. I'm sorry. This was no, not a boring story. No, this was not a boring story. <laughs> sorry, Karen. You're wrong. Yeah. Well, in this in this instance. In yes. this instance. Um, so, again, yeah. Holy Isn't shit. That, crazy? that is nuts. You know what? I want to see them make a movie out of this. That would be a cool fucking movie. It really, really would. A lot of twists, Mm -hmm. a lot of turns. Like, Mm -hmm. they'll make you think that you're right, but you're not. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that'd be a good movie. I go see it. Yeah, and like, the whole thing is, is like, remembering Danny. Yeah. Like, this poor fucking kid, Mm -hmm. this poor fucking innocent 17-year-old kid Mm -hmm. who did nothing except exist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just, it's, I'm sorry, that's disgustingly awful it's terrible it's so gross it's absolutely terrible like you want to get back at his father you want to get back at at mr gold and i'm not saying that i'm not saying it was right to get back to mr get back at mr goldman he came forward correctly Mm -hmm. and was doing the right thing Mm -hmm. um it's just and then then the fact that this happened Mm -hmm. is just I can't even imagine the guilt that he lived with for the rest of his life. I can't imagine the resentment that Mrs. Goldman may have had. Um, again, I'm just making, I'm not making assumptions. Right. I'm just saying it could have had Yeah. Um, towards her husband. It's just so upsetting. And the fact that this kid was obviously such a wonderful person mm-hmm. that after all of these years, these boys, now men from this neighborhood were like, no. This has to We're be not solved. giving up. Yeah. We need to figure out what happened to our friend. We need to figure out what happened to this guy. He deserves it. Absolutely. And they're 100% correct. Yeah. And look at what they did. Yeah. Like, that's that's yes. amazing to me. Yes, yes. And, you know, you can talk... Uh, believe me, I understand that sometimes the whole citizen detective, citizen investigator thing can be get messy and mm-hmm. intrusive. Um, and I know sometimes it winds up causing more harm than the good that it could do. But when you see a story like this of just people using their their knowledge, their own connections, yep. um, and just their drive to figure out what happened to their friend, the amazing things that can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So... Rest in peace, Danny. Rip. Wherever you are. Pour and one out for my homie. Rest one. Uh, rest in peace to Mr. and Mrs. Goldman. May their memories be a blessing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So that's my story, nice. and I'm sticking to it. Well, thank you, Charlie. You're welcome. It was a fantastical story. Thank you. I'm glad that I know all that information now. Right. Um. So yeah, if you want to. Follow us. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife.
I have. Sorry, I, you no. started saying if you want, and it reminded me of that song. It's okay. You've heard that song, right? Yes, okay. I have. I was just letting you go. It's fine. It's fine. So, from my personal point of view, get an ugly girl to marry you. It is the most offensive, sexist song in the whole world, but it is fun. It yeah, is fun. It's catchy. It's very catchy. Uh, all right. So that was anywho. our musical interlude for the evening. You guys can take it away, Jovi. With all that being sung and said, yes. if you would like to, you know, keep up with us in our day-to-day stuff, mm-hmm. um, kind of, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at Bed Crime Stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can drop us an email with any story suggestions, mm-hmm, say hello, mm-hmm. send pictures. Um, and if you send us a story suggestion, you could say which one of us you want to tell the story yeah we're we're down we're down we enjoy it we enjoy the challenge um and you could send us a dm or you could email us at bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com be sure to rate review and subscribe yes yes tell a friend tell all your friends all the friends and all the world and you know we love you guys we appreciate you mm-hmm. um all your mm-hmm. listens all your likes all your comments we see it all mm-hmm. we love you all mm-hmm. um be kind mm. be kind please i feel like things are just <laughs> things just keep getting worse they do it's like we see a little bit of light mm-hmm. and then it gets dark again so even if it's something small just just smile at people yeah. you don't know what they're going through amen Amen, girl. Um, But yeah, so um, have a good night. Mm -hmm. Have a good day. We shall see you all next week. But until then, sweet dreams. Yeah. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.